1: Welcome to the Three Down Nation podcast powered by Jiffy Lube. He's Justin Dunk and I'm John Hodge. Today, we're discussing Zach Kolaris re-signing with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Chris
2: Jones reaching out to D.C. and Duran Carter for a possible reunion. Oh my goodness.
1: James Wilder Jr. extending his contract with the Edmonton Elks
2: the CFL's upcoming free agent negotiating window,
1: and the latest for
2: dual-threat quarterback Chris Streveler. But
1: first, dunkster, Michael Riley has retired following an 11-year CFL career, during which he threw for 34,805 yards, which is 14th all-time league-wide, won an MOP, two Grey Cups, and led the league in passing yards four times. What does his legacy mean to you and what does his retirement mean for the BC Lions?
2: I'll get to the Lions in a second, but for once I should say the league actually put together some intriguing content. I shouldn't say just for once. That's obviously tongue in cheek, but they had about a three minute video encapsulating Riley's career and watching it just took me back. And our own JC Abbott has a wonderful piece on the site right now his dedication, in a way, to Riley's career and how it maybe left us wanting more. But what I take away from Riley being in the CFL is that is what this league is about. He was accessible. He was always in and around the fans whenever they asked for an autograph or posed for a picture. like That dude went beyond just the teams he was playing with in B.C. and Edmonton and then back in B.C., All rival fans love the guy. It's rare, and I don't think you could find one. You'd have to probably try really hard to find a fan that despised Riley or hated him. So he leaves this lasting legacy of a guy that was the ultimate tough player in the league for many years. A leader that is really in a category maybe unto his own in terms of the way that he led his teams and won a great cup in 2015 with Edmonton. So he'll always have a special place in the league's history. As for what it means for the BC Lions... Riley's no longer there as their franchise quarterback. And Rick Campbell has named Canadian Nathan Rourke. I'll keep my excitement to a minimum here as their (laughs) starter going into the 2022 season. So a great opportunity for Rourke. And in my mind, it's a very ideal situation for new owner Amar Doman and an ideal guy to lead the franchise because he was born in Victoria. So we know that this league has been looking for a long time, a Canadian quarterback, probably since Russ Jackson, to get a legitimate opportunity to start. It's happened, I think, in the past. There are guys that should have gotten it, but it's clear. Campbell's a big fan. Co-general manager Neil McAvoy is a fan. Lucky Whitehead, Brian Burnham, some of the guys he played with, are paying him legit lip service. So it's a very intriguing future for the Lions as the past... Walks out the door and Riley.
1: Yeah, I, I want to start with Riley. I mean, Michael Riley has been one of the faces of the CFL, if not the face of the CFL for the last decade. Right. Since he since he went to Edmonton, essentially, in 2013, and was a full fledged starter there for a period of 6 years during which he won a great cup as a starter, he won an mop led the league in passing a number of times. He also, here's a stat that that was in the press release, 3 consecutive 5000-yard seasons. Only 3 quarterbacks in league history have done that. The other two outside of Michael Riley Anthony Calvillo and Doug Flutie. Well, if you're in that if you're in that company, I don't think you could be in the company of two better CFL quarterbacks than names like Flutie and Calvillo. So, that exclusivity that club that he's in is is pretty remarkable. Um, to me, he's an unquestioned Hall of Famer. I don't think he's necessarily a first ballot guy because he didn't reach 50,000 yards passing. He didn't win multiple cups as a starter. He did win one as a backup with the BC Lions in 2011. But he's still an unbelievable player. And and yes, you mentioned JC's article. Go check it out. It's, it's beautifully written. I've been tough on Riley at times because I've always felt as though he held onto the ball for too long. And as JC wrote in his excellent piece, it's likely true that that Riley would have been able to play a little bit longer he just turned tw- uh, 37 uh, on Tuesday we're recording this on Wednesday um, it's likely he would have been able to keep playing a little while longer had he taken less punishment but that's not the way that Michael Riley wanted to play the game he was prepared to take those shots which afforded him the you know the by, by and large the reputation of being the league's most durable most tough player um, and and no no question he earned that reputation each and every time he stepped onto the field. Uh, so to me, Michael Riley, unbelievable talent, uh, unbelievably smart guy. Great dealing with him in the media. I did not have many personal accounts with him through the media, but uh, you know many colleagues in the media have reached out and 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 sp- and spoken extremely highly of Riley that way. And as for Rourke Dunkster, I was shocked during the press conference. You and I were both on the Zoom call with McAvoy and Campbell. When Campbell straight up said Nathan Rourke is our starter, I can't remember the last time a CFL team anointed a starter in January. Can you? I mean, a- a- aside from maybe Bo Levi Mitchell having his name you know, in ink at the top of that depth chart in Calgary, I can't remember the last time something like this happened. We know BC is going to bring in some competition, which is great, bring in a veteran to help him work, but I can't wait to see what Nathan Rourke does as a Canadian quarterback in week one.
2: Usually teams wait and they want to keep people guessing and that's the competitive advantage that maybe some of those franchises believe happens. But I think that was a smart move because it gets the hype going. We can already see it. That tweet that I had that I put out and in terms of the views of that article on the site of Rourke being named the starter for 2022 or entering the season was highly read, highly retweeted, highly looked at, however you want to put it. So that's just one metric. I really think that naming him the starter allows them potentially to go out and attract some new sponsors. Say, hey, not only do we have a Canadian quarterback who we're starting going into the season with, but this dude is from Victoria. Like, he's from BC. So they should get a lot of local sponsorship on board behind it. Rourke is an ideal guy in terms of his makeup. To get this opportunity, he's already said that being named the starter is not going to change his approach. He's always been a hardworking guy, and he's been a guy that really has, in a way, sort of broken down some barriers or has gone about it in a unique way, right? He started playing his high school football in Oakville, then went down to Alabama to finish his high school career, went to junior college at Fort Scott, finally got a legitimate offer at Ohio University, had an ultra-productive career there, got them to multiple bowl games, and then a little bit of a look from the New York Giants, as a quarterback slash receiver slash athlete type that didn't pan out but here he is a great situation and it really helps out the Lions in terms of their salary cap they can add a number of pieces around this guy and I hope they protect him better than Riley up front and get a guy like Brian Burnham back under contract and maybe add some other targets for him as well and weapons to surround him because even if Rourke maxes out his current contract he's only going to make under $80,000 so you got to if you're the Lions make that count and be a legitimate competitive team this year
1: yeah we should move on but I got one more thing to add which is even if Rourke is not the starter let's say he struggles out of the gate his unique skill set he's he's not quite as big as Chris Streveler but he's got Streveler type speed a little bit of a different runner a little bit more elusive than Streveler who's more likely to punch you in the mouth but I think that Nathan Rourke is a player who needs to be in every single game, even as a package guy. So I'm just saying, if if, if you're the Lions, and I agree, the Lions should slap 10 billboards up around the province with Nathan Rourke's big old face on them, saying, look, here's our guy starting for our team. I think he's a guy who should play a minimum, even if he doesn't work out as a starter, should be playing a minimum of 10 snaps a game as a package player to keep opposing defenses guessing. Because we saw what Chris Streveler was able to do with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers as a utility player in 2018-2019. I think that absolutely Nathan Work at the bare minimum, could be that guy, and at best, could be that true starter that the club is looking for.
2: You know I could talk about Canadian quarterbacks and work all day long, so we best get moving on. We'll, we'll be here for a while. The Blue Bombers re-signed reigning CFL MOP Zach Aleros to a one-year contract extension. He's become the highest-paid player in the league and will earn $550,000 in 2022, all of which is hard money. Is that a smart investment for Winnipeg?
1: I think it is. I mean, we we sat here and we talked on the show last week. You know, Kolaris hadn't re-signed yet, and I said, hey, look, you know, I do think... You know, it's it's a worthwhile investment for Winnipeg. They've won two great cups with Zach Kolaris. He's uh, he's seventeen and two as a starter, and and one of those losses came in a meaningless game last year uh, when he only played. I think it was the first you know quarter and change anyway. So at the end of the day, he's virtually unbeatable as Winnipeg's starter, he's won back to back Grey Cups. He did not play very well in the playoffs. I think that's worth saying. He threw, I believe it was 5 interceptions combined in the West Semi and uh, pardon me in the West Final and the Grey Cup together. That being said, his leadership is off the charts. He obviously has full command of Buck Pierce's offense and I think that offense has reached new heights since he took over. The offense played well and moved the ball effectively before they had a a top-tier quarterback under Matt Nichols, but I do think that Zach Kolaris has taken that offense to new heights, added a new dimension to that offense, even though it is still one of the league's best offenses along the ground. Um, that being said, yes, I, I think it's prudent. It's not like Zach Kolaris walked away with 700 G's. He is the highest paid player in the CFL, but he's still making less than Michael Riley was slated to in 2022 had he elected to return and had BC elected not to try to renegotiate that deal. So I think it's still prudent. Um, to me, the the question was, how much does Kolaris want? Because if the asking price is 700 you know, if you can have Trevor Harris for 350 right now, I think that's probably the avenue down which the Bombers should have gone. But getting Kolaris at this price point I think is acceptable. Anything higher I think would have been too much. But where they are right now, 550 I still think that leaves enough room for Winnipeg to continue building and retaining that talent they have around him.
2: It goes back to a few years ago before... Michael Riley and Bolivie Mitchell really blew the market out and got to that seven hundred thousand dollar range for a franchise quarterback. If you go back a few years ago, you know, Riley was the highest paid guy before he left Winnipeg, but he was in the $500,000 range. I think it was maybe getting close to $600,000, so this sort of brings that quarterback market back down, although I do think if Caleros had have gotten a free agency, the Ottawa Redblacks could have put a bigger, more lucrative offer, perhaps 600000 plus in front of him, because he's a guy that can come in and change the entire complexion of your franchise. I think the Toronto Argos would have been interested as well, and I really don't like the conversations where people say and you just did say this so I'm going to pick at you a little bit where oh you take Kleros out and you put Harris in and yeah he's $200,000 cheaper and you can keep going along because And you mentioned this too Kleros knows that Buck Pierce offense inside and out now so you can't just bring in a guy like, let's say, Harris in this example, expect him to know the offense, be comfortable with all of the pieces in it, the offensive line, the running backs, the receivers, and plug him in there and expect him to be productive right away. Do I think Harris would be productive in that Blue Bombers offense? Yes, but it wouldn't be the same. And they're totally different guys in terms of the way they go about leading their team. So I think it was very smart for the Bombers to pay this money. It was at a minimum what he was worth and he takes i believe a little bit of a discount to stay in winnipeg but the allure of going for that three pete and having that on your resume and becoming more of a legend in that city and province are well worth it
1: and you're right yes the continuity counts for something i would point out however we are looking to get a full training camp and preseason. In 2022, which was not the case in 2021. So a veteran like Trevor Harris, who's been around the league for over a decade at this point, I do think he could fully learn and master that offense in a full training camp, full preseason um, but I do agree. Obviously, continuity still counts for something. And that's why I think the Bombers were prudent to get Kolaris re-signed. I always thought they should re-sign him. I just thought it had to be at the correct dollar amount. Kolaris, I think, wins because he's the highest paid player in the league. But I think the Bombers win too. They get back their starter. They didn't completely break the bank. I mean, Kolaris is only making, I think it's uh, $45,000 more, for instance, than Cody Fajardo. Um, and he's making, I think, $100,000, a little maybe a little bit more. Uh, than Dane Evans, who's yet to prove himself over a longer period of time. So for Winnipeg, you know, is, is Zach Kolaris worth $45,000 more than Cody Fajardo? Absolutely. Is he worth a little more 100 Gs than, than Dane Evans? Absolutely. So to me, I think the price point fits, and and I think it's a win-win, ultimately. It's, I think it's a symbiotic relationship that Kolaris that has with the club right now. They bring out the best in each other, and I think they were prudent to get a deal done. We should take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time to talk about Deron Carter. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Dunkster, you reported that Chris Jones has reached out to free agent Deron Carter about possibly joining the Edmonton Elks. The pair were together in Saskatchewan in 2017 when the enigmatic receiver was named a CFL All Star. Do you think we'll see Carter back in the CFL?
2: It's certainly possible. I'm not going to say it happens for sure, but Jones went so far as to go down to Florida and visit with Carter. Now, at the same time, he did make a trip to Tampa where he hammered out the contract with James Wilder Jr., who we'll get to here in a minute, but. The fact that Jones is putting in the time and the mileage to go down there and talk to Carter about playing defensive back for him with Edmonton shows you that Jones is serious about this idea. You know, there was some pushback on Twitter and <laughs> online when we put the article on the site. and Some people say, "Ah, this is just a headline. It won't happen. Well, I'm just a messenger here. All right. I'm telling you what I know to be factual whether or not it happens is an entirely different thing, but the fact is, Jones has met with Carter. They have a past and a history together from when they were with the Rough Riders, so it does make sense in a lot of ways. Jones likes the big, long defensive backs. Carter's six foot five, you know, 200-plus pounds, and he would fit that mold, and Jones really felt like, Back when they were in Regina together, if Carter had some more development time at the position playing cornerback, he would be an all-star caliber cover guy in the league. So it makes sense on a lot of levels, but what so often does decide these things is going to be the contract dollar value. Carter is currently the head coach at North Palm Beach Prep down there in Florida. So does he get a contract that's worth it for him to come back to Canada and play or not? I think that will be a large factor.
1: Well, if if Deron Carter needs any information about quitting a high school coaching job, he's got Chris Jones right there as a resource. (laughs) So he's got he's got an expert there who's done it before. So he'd know how to get out of that contract. Uh, But I'll say that I mean Deron Carter. Look, as as someone who who you know uh, reports on the CFL produces content about the CFL i desperately hope Daron Carter comes back to the CFL because he has a big name he is a big personality that being said i mean we've seen very high highs and very low lows from Daron Carter he looked awful with the BC Lions in 2019 that said he was incredible in 2017 with the Riders must absolute must watch entertainment with Saskatchewan that season so I think the question becomes which Deron Carter are you getting the good News is Deron Carter is still relatively Young I believe he's only 30 years Old I'd have to check that but he he's Not uh, he's not somebody who's You know he, he's pushing 38 39 Like he's he's still easily young Enough to be very effective In this league so selfishly Dunkster I hope this
2: happens You're right he is 30 so he could still play A while and in terms of pro football age I think he's relatively young just because he hasn't played a ton of pro football so it would be great for the league no doubt Carter is a character and all the things that he's done I mean maybe most infamously the chest bump with Rick Campbell on the sideline was one of them but there's so many things that people remember Carter for in different ways I mean we can't forget the good things that he's done right he makes that ridiculous one hand backhand catch And gives the ball to a young fan that I believe was dealing with cancer, who had survived cancer at the time. So he's a guy, I think, that has matured now because he's in that position of a coach. And I think could be really intriguing as a defensive back, especially with Jones coaching him up. And staying in Edmonton, they, of course, extended Wilder Jr. He received his first dose of COVID-19 vaccine This year, after playing the 2021 season while unvaccinated, will Chris Jones and Wilder Jr. work well together?
1: Well, I was in on this Zoom call and Chris Jones (laughs) joked about Wilder Jr. having interest in playing a stand-up defensive end role in addition to playing running back. And the joke was hilarious to me because if anybody was going to play their starting running back as a stand-up edge rusher, it would be Chris Jones. And honestly, I think James Wilder Jr. could probably get to the passer uh, uh, relatively well. He's, he's super long, obviously. He's big enough to play that role in the CFL. But look, I'll say this. Wilder Jr. was very good on the field in 2021. Uh, he deserves credit as well. Jamie Elizondo you know, said you know, that he heard a lot of things about James Wilder Jr. as a person before coming to Edmonton and spoke repeatedly about how... Those things were all proven incorrect. He found James Wilder Jr. to be an excellent leader in the locker room. And Wilder Jr. was asked about, you know, the vaccine issue because we know that edmondson was either the least vaccinated team in 2021 or among the least vaccinated teams in 2021 they were also the only team to have a breakout of the virus and he said no it wasn't really a contentious issue in the locker room he said we had some players who would approach you and just say like hey just so you know i've had a family member back home who's had covid this thing isn't a joke you should really consider getting vaccinated but he, he said it was all done out of love it wasn't done out of Uh, out out of nastiness or out of forcefulness it was very welcoming and he also is now getting vaccinated he's got his first shot him and his wife are vaccinating their whole family and he said the the what changed for him was not doing his own research which is a phrase i think we've all gotten tired of hearing since the vaccine came out a little over a year ago he said i just talked to a trusted doctor asked all the questions i had and once i had them all answered from a trusted doctor i said yeah sure let's do this thing because it's about more than just protecting myself. This is about protecting everybody. So uh, I applaud Wilder Jr. He he was very vocal about being unvaccinated during last season. And I applaud him for publicly reversing course after having new information, because I think that's something we're, we're afraid to do sometimes, right? We get new information and we go, ah, oh, I can't re- I, I can't say the opposite now. I will look like a hypocrite. He's not a hypocrite. He just got new information and he's not afraid to change his opinion based on that information. That's what we should all do. So I'm excited to see what James Wilder Jr. does in 2022. He was one of very few bright spots for the team last year. I want to see him repeat that in 2022.
2: It could be an ideal fit. Jones, we know, likes to play stout defense, maybe make some place on that side of the ball too, and run the rock. And Wilder Jr. has been a guy that has been a bell cow back and I think can really boost that offense in terms of what Steven McAdoo wants to do and more so what Jones wants to do grinding down the clock and getting big plays out of the running game dare I say it's been the best back that Jones has had as a head coach or general manager since he's been in the CFL or the guy with the most ability I think so you put him in that Edmonton backfield and with what Jones is probably going to do on defense make it difficult on teams The Elks already seem like they're going to be a team that will be a difficult out in 22. The Bombers are interested in a potential reunion with free agent quarterback Chris Strebler. Do you think we will see the dual threat passer back in the CFL, though, for the 2022 season?
1: I do. Uh, As you reported, of course, Dunkster, the uh, the New York Jets had Strebler in for a workout earlier this week. Uh, There is still NFL interest to some extent, and we know that Streveler is going to prioritize getting another NFL opportunity. But he is getting a little bit long in the tooth for the NFL. He's 27. I'm not by any stretch trying to say that he's old. But if you're an NFL team looking for a quarterback, there's a million guys who are 22, 23 coming out of college to bring in as camp guys uh, rather than the 27-year-old who's been around pro football now for four seasons. I do think there's a good chance we'll see him in the CFL in 2022. I don't think we'll see him with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers just by virtue of their cap situation. Obviously, they've re-signed a ton of their pending uh, free agent all-stars, future Hall of Famers such as you know Stanley Bryant. They've re-signed uh, you know Jamarcus Hardrick as as a perennial all-star. They've re-signed Kolaris. They've re-signed uh, Adam Big Hill, future Hall of Famer. So I don't think we'll see him in Winnipeg. I think there's going to be another team who's willing to put more money on the table. For Streveler's services, the question just becomes, which team is it going to
2: be? To me, there's a chance that he's in the NFL. That window, in my mind, though, is closing. And I'm with you, Hodge, on where he ends up in the CFL. I don't think he'll be back in Winnipeg as a backup unless the quarterback back spots all get filled up around the league, right? So let's go through it quickly. Let's say, you know, hypothetically, Jeremiah Masoli goes to Ottawa and the Red Blacks seem to be the front runner for his services. Trevor Harris goes to BC to back up Nathan Rourke because it seems like that's a possibility with his relationship with Rick Campbell. And Edmonton has Nick Arbuckle and Taylor Cornelius, who Jones likes, then... Yeah, the Elks could have some money to throw at him, but kind of what I'm getting at is there might not necessarily be a starting spot open. And in that scenario, I'm sort of counting on the Argos to re-sign McLeod Bethel-Thompson if they don't get Masoli or, you know, if Edmonton doesn't get Masoli, sort of the way that this is all playing out. So it might not be a slam dunk that he's able to get that starting caliber money. Do you see a spot that could be a potential fit for him to be a possible starter in the CFL next year?
1: If the circumstances play out as you're laying out, no, I I don't see a route for Streveler to be a starter. But that said, like to me, Chris Streveler is not a top 25, uh, or pardon me, not a top 10 CFL quarterback, but he might be like a top 30 talent, if that makes sense. Like I'm extremely high on what Chris Streveler brings because he is such an, just such a unique weapon i can't think of another player over the last 20 years in this league who does exactly what streveler does and we've seen him even as a backup take over games the 2019 west semi in calgary he was playing on a bloody fractured ankle and he absolutely ripped the stampeders to shreds at mcmahon stadium and he was again he didn't start that game that was a Kalara start so My point is just I think even if he's not a starter, there's big value. And if I'm Ottawa, after the season I just had with all that misery – I'm tempted to say, look, I don't care who the starter is. I'm also bringing in Chris Streveler. Yes, they've got Caleb Evans, who's got somewhat of a, of a similar uh, uh, skill set. But I, I think Streveler's a better passer, or at least as good of a passer as Evans. And I think he's a much better runner. So to me, I, I think Streveler should still have a market, even if the starting spots are filled. He is a backup who I would still pay, not starter money to, but I would be willing to allocate an unusually large amount of the cap to secure his services and let's not forget that's not completely you know out of line for the CFL in recent memory in this league the Ottawa Red Blacks signed Trevor Harris to a relatively big money deal with Henry Burris as their starter and guess what they want a cup so spend the money have two quarterbacks because Ottawa guess what they had zero last year and we saw what happened.
2: You know what could be really intriguing is Strevler going to Edmonton with Jones and using a package there or maybe Strevler becomes the starter. And we do know that Paul Apelis would like Strevler to be his starter for the Red Blacks this upcoming season. Whether or not that actually happens is a totally different conversation because you have Sean Burke, the new general manager, in there. Who in my mind is going to want a guy like Masoli, who's proven as a passer and a leader and a dude that starts week in and week out in the CFL. Strevler has yet to do that as a passer. So I think there's certainly some intriguing options, and I don't necessarily think we should throw away him being in the NFL. It was a surprise, yes, that he did sign with Arizona and was with the Cardinals for parts of two seasons and then finished 2021 with the Baltimore Ravens, but we see this more in the NFL, the short yardage guys or the package guys being used, a la a Taysom Hill. Now, he's not getting that dollar contract from an NFL <laughs> team, obviously, that Hill has got I'm sure he'd love to, but... You know, I'm saying that there could be some NFL teams out there, and you mentioned he had the workout with the Jets. doesn't have any currently scheduled for the future, but that's not to say that that couldn't change. But I think he's going to explore this, because in Straveler's mind, once you shift your focus back to the CFL, you're telling the NFL teams that you don't feel like you're good enough to play at that level. Now, people can throw their hands up in the air and say whatever they want, But that's why Streveler is focused on the NFL for now, and he knows that he can come back to the CFL and have some type of contract to fall back on.
1: Absolutely. And, hey, you you mentioned Edmonton. I can't wait to see Chris Streveler for the Elks playing backup quarterback, uh, tight end, and safety under Chris Jones. That's going to be amazing. (laughs) Canadian offensive lineman Drew Desjardins is signing with the New England Patriots and Canadian tight end Nikola Kalinich inked a deal with the Indianapolis Colts. I'm curious to know, what does this say about the type of athletes, not only in the CFL, but from U-Sports?
2: Specifically Canadian universities, people need to take these athletes more seriously. It's just about getting an opportunity. And a lot of times the name value of obviously an Alabama is going to attract people and attention, but we've had guys, and we've seen it in recent years, go from the University of Guelph, Tabius Robinson a defensive lineman, and play at Old Miss in big time games against guess who? The Alabama Crimson Tide. Dean Leonard, a corner from the University of Calgary, gets a scholarship to the same school, Old Miss, with Lane Kiffin and is playing against guess who? The Alabama Crimson Tide. So I think a lot of people think that all oh, only the NFL talent can come from the upper tier programs in the NCAA. Well Desjardins and Kalinich are showing that even if you come from a losing program, to be quite honest, in the OUA, you can still make it to the NFL, and that there are talented players across this country that people need to focus on and should hear stories about before they get to the CFL or the NFL. Desjardins is a dude that has turned into one of the best Canadian offensive linemen in the CFL. The Bombers aren't going to replace him because you can't just find those guys out on the street or that are readily available, and he's going to get every shot to make that Patriots roster. Same thing with Kalinich. If you look at what the Colts are doing here, they like these big physical tight ends, and that's what Kalinich has done with the Ticats. His stats might not jump off the page to you, but tight end isn't traditionally a position that's used very much in the CFL. He's more of an H-back. He's played, obviously, some slot receiver in the CFL, but he's a dude that's physical, can play special teams, so that's going to help his chances of making the roster. And It'll be intriguing to see what he can do as a proper tight end in the NFL game.
1: Yes, I think the ceiling is still high on both of those players uh Dejarlay, i think would have been the highest paid offensive lineman in the cfl had he signed with a team for 2022 unbelievable talent um I- i've been a huge fan of his since since before his combine in 2019 and he did not disappoint. He absolutely lived up to the hype that was surrounding him coming out of Windsor. And uh, I think it's fa- I think it's fantastic. And and you mentioned it, Dunkster. Beyond it, losing programs, right? York and Windsor are not Western and and, and Laval. And that's not, that's not a shot. That's just reality. And I think it's fantastic that Windsor and York have produced not not necessarily their first, but have produced active NFL players. I think that's sensational. We got to take a quick break, Dunkster, when we come back, it'll be time for Hodge's Heritage Moment. Welcome back for Hodge's Heritage Moment. On this day in 2017, Scott Milanovic resigned as the head coach of the Toronto Argonauts to join the Jacksonville Jaguars. The three-time Grey Cup champion coached the Jags quarterbacks for three years, even taking over play-calling duties for a portion of the 2018 season. Milanovic was named the head coach of the Edmonton Elks in December 2019, though he stayed on with Jacksonville until the end of that NFL regular season. Milanovic served as Edmonton's head coach during the canceled 2020 CFL season, meaning he never actually coached a game for the team. He resigned from the Edmonton job exactly four years, less a day, after resigning from Toronto, and in 2021 served as the quarterback's coach of the Indianapolis Colts under former CFL quarterback Marcus Brady, who is the team's offensive coordinator. Dunk, is Milatovic the only head coach in CFL history that you could think of who resigned twice in the span of four years?
2: To the best of my knowledge... Yes, and hey, it would have been nice in 2020 to be like Milanovic and collect your entire salary, which I believe was in the upper $400,000, maybe even over $500,000 range, and then you get to go to the NFL. Made out know, pretty decent for himself. Absolutely.
1: And hey, just letting all 9 CFL teams know, whatever you paid Milanovic, I'll do no work for half that much. Just 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 <laughs> throwing it out there for those listening. At Dunkster, a service that's never going to let you down, of course, is our friends at Jiffy Lube. Take your ride in, 15 minutes in, 15 minutes out. They're going to get you ready to roll, winterized, fully functioning in your vehicle for maximum performance. Take your vehicle to Jiffy Lube. They'll do you upright and tell them that your friends at 3 Down Nation sent you.
2: You know, I don't know what's going on with the weather in Ontario, Hodge, but we've got a bunch of snow, and I know you Westerners don't want to hear this, but it's been colder than normal. My car is literally due for an oil change, and I'm going to Jiffy because I know it's just going to take 15 minutes. I'll be in and out. I won't be cold. You know, I can get back in my car and it'll be smoothly back on the road and it's been firing up all winter long Hodge. we've had some minus 30 temperatures here in southern ontario if you can believe it yeah boo hoo, i know what you're saying but still <laughs> jiffy lube has kept it running smooth and i appreciate those guys especially when the temperatures have been unseasonably cold in ontario
1: yeah i walked my dog yesterday at 46 wind chills so i'm uh <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and call you a little bit soft for that but that's okay but what's never soft dougster the three-minute drill powered by jiffy lube let's go the new york jets worked out free agent quarterback chris streveler as well as canadian receiver javon katoy do you think either of them will get signed
2: Ooh, we've gone over streveler in detail katoy very interesting prospect he would be a tight end in the NFL I think there's a chance he had a couple workouts prior to the 2021 CFL season with the Raiders and 49ers so there could be some paperwork coming his way from an NFL team the Toronto Argos re-signed Canadian linebacker Enoch Muamba. is that a big deal at this point in his career I still think Enoch can get it
1: done I'm not sure he's the same player he was back in 2019 but he can still get it done as a ratio breaker in the middle new Edmonton Elks president and CEO Victor Cuey, I hope I said that right, is open to rehiring longtime equipment manager Dwayne Mandruziak. Would that be a wise move?
2: Yes, yes, yes. It should have been done literally the same day that they announced his hiring. Now, obviously, they're not going to do that because they don't want the headlines to go to Mandruziak, who is just beloved in that Edmonton community, but they should have done it today. They need to do it right away. Retired CFL players Drew Tate, Dexter McCoyle, Winston October, and Jabari Arthur all have new coaching gigs in the NCAA or U Sports. Is that a positive sign for the CFL?
1: Absolutely. I think it's great anytime your alumni could go on into coaching roles. Jabari Arthur, you know, is is working still as a Canadian inside U Sports. I think that's fantastic. It only speaks volumes because let's be honest, these guys are going to coach players who one day come up to the CFL. The Calgary Stampedeers re-signed All-Star kicker Rene Paradis. It's hard to see him playing in any other jersey, right?
2: Yeah, I don't see him putting on anything other than red and white for his entire career. The CFL's legal negotiation window opens on Sunday at noon Eastern time. Can you give a quick explainer for the folks who might not know how it works?
1: essentially this is a week-long period during which players can talk to any other cfl team even if they're under contract still for another week they can legally talk to any team uh until i believe it's a 24 or 48 hour period before free agency officially opens on february 8th so very soon teams will actually be allowed to talk to free agents for other teams it's an exciting time The Ticats re-signed Canadian defensive back Tunde Adelike. How integral to Hamilton's defense
2: is he? Critical, man. He can play safety, halfback, corner, strong side linebacker. And in Hamilton, I don't even think we've seen his potential really as a returner that he flashed while he was with the Stampeder. So that dude can pretty much play a bunch of positions on defense and also return for you at a high level. Great piece to get back for the Cats. Riders Canadian defensive back Jacob Dearborn is going to the Olympics as a freaking bobsledder. How cool is that?
1: I think it's unbelievable. Jacob Dearborn is a freak athlete. He was coming out of the draft, and he still is. I also love, should be noted, CFL alumnus Sam Jaguer, longtime receiver for Montreal, Hamilton, and Edmonton a little bit, is also going, albeit on a different uh, bobsled. Montreal Alouette's defensive lineman Jamal Davis has signed with the Los Angeles Chargers. Is that a surprise?
2: It was a little bit to some people in CFL league circles, but you look at he has a bit of a history in the NFL from before, before he came north and was productive, although he wasn't necessarily an every-down guy for the L, so did the most with the reps that he got. The Blue Bombers re-signed future Hall of Fame left tackle Stanley Bryant. Will he ever leave the peg?
1: I don't see it. I, I think he'll be a blue bomber for life. He said as much to the media, and uh, rightfully so. The future Hall of Famer, he's first ballot, frankly, the day he retires. They may as well put him in. So the, 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 skip the dog and pony show, put him in. He's arguably the best offensive lineman in league history. On that note, we thank you as always for listening to the 3 Down
0: Nation podcast. We'll be back next Wednesday. See you then.